Hi folks, Jason Crane here reminding you about the 100 by 300 campaign. The idea is to get 100 members by the 300th show. Membership is easy. You can do it in one lump sum each year or month to month for as little as 10 bucks a month or $110 a year. If you choose one of the higher levels, particularly the $500 a year or $50 a month level, you'll be mentioned on every single show. You'll be an official sponsor of the Jazz Session. The 100 by 300 campaign, visit thejazzsession.com slash join to become a member today. Once again, that's thejazzsession.com slash join. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of this show is available for free at TheJazzSession.com. You can also subscribe in iTunes or using an RSS reader, and there are links to do both those things at TheJazzSession.com. I want to thank uh, two people who have become members since the last time I mentioned names on the show, uh, Ted Vieira and Amy Cervini both became uh, members of the show. Amy uh, is a singer and uh, a label promoter uh, who works with Orange Grove Artists, and she's been on the show before. And uh, Ted is a guitarist, I think, in Las Vegas, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, so thank you very much to uh, to both of them. And Ted, I hope I said your last name right. Now, turning my attention to you, if I may, for just a moment, I need you to become a member. Uh, we're just over 20, I think, 21, on the way to uh, 100 by the 300th show. And I would say we're we're doing all right, but probably not quite at the pace we need. Uh, so if you are listening to this show right now and you think that you can find uh, 10 bucks a month, which, uh, you know, Trust me, for me right now would be a challenge, um, but maybe it isn't for you. If you think you can find 10 bucks a month or $110 a year or on up to one of the higher membership levels, uh, that would be just fantastic, and I really, really would appreciate it. This show has been uh, a labor of love, and although uh, my love has not dimmed my uh, my need for it to not be completely coming out of my own pocket uh, is growing, shall we say. So if you would uh, just go to thejazzsession.com, Click on one of the little links there that says join, or there's one on the side, one on the top, and just become a member. It'll take you a couple minutes, and uh, you'll feel better, I'll feel better, we'll all feel great, and you can listen to all of the rest of the episodes of this till the end of time, knowing that this show is, is partially funded and made possible by you. There, was that public radio-y enough for you? Someone once said uh, in reviewing this show, you can swoon to Crane's NPR voice or lilt or something like that. I really try pretty hard not to have an NPR voice, but maybe uh, maybe I'm not succeeding. So on to this week's uh, interview. Uh, Brian Dry is one of the guys, in fact, the main motive force behind the band Bizingas, and uh, they've got a new record of that name, and the first track on it is called Tagger.
My guest is trombonist Brian Dry. He is uh, a composer and uh, one of the creative forces behind the band Bazingas, which uh, has its debut album out now. And it's a, a really fantastic album with a, with a great band. Brian, it's great to have you on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. I, I guess let's start off uh, talking about uh, the other three people who are on this record with you, because it really is just a, a, a first-call band of, of you know some of the people who are really making waves um, in New York mm-hmm. and elsewhere these days. Will you mention who else is on the record? Uh, it's Chess Smith on drums, uh, Kurt Kanufke on cornet, and um, John Goldberger on guitar. And how did you guys come together? How did the uh, how did the band get its start? Well, um, I've known John um, for a, quite a long time, basically since I moved to New York about twelve years ago. I met him um, probably in two thousand, and uh, we had been playing together for years. And we actually had an original um, trio uh, that I called Bazingas, actually. Um, and then when that that project ended, and uh, because the drummer um, actually passed away, so we sort of let let it go. And then I started playing sessions, um, sort of on a weekly basis with Chess, who was just moving to town, and um, Kirk, who is a you know a trumpet player that I've been playing with a little bit in his group. And uh, I just really loved the sound of the band, so I decided, well, this maybe let's try this combination. So. And this seems, uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, this seems like a, a band with a leader, even though it's not billed under your name. It seems like the the musical conception uh, is yours. Uh, but if that's yeah. not the case, uh, set me straight. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I, uh, I, I um, you know, it was my decision to you know, put the, this particular group together and write all the music. Um, I mean, I, I called it Bazingas um, just because I felt like it really does have a band sound. And uh, even though I'm the technical leader, I decided, you know, um, it, it sounds like enough of a band that um, that I could I could call it a band and leave it at that. And uh, but, I, but essentially, I'm the leader of the, of this particular group. So, and where does the name come from? Um, actually, it's a good good question. I have no idea. <laughs> the truth is, uh, a friend of mine said it to me several times, uh, sort of, I don't know why, as a joke, on my answering machine, which just tells you how long ago that was. And um, basically, I just like the sound of it, so I just started naming my, I named my publishing company Bazingas, and I was like, that sounds cool, and then I just said, okay, that's the name of this project, it sounds right. And I like the sound of the name because... Um, it sounds. It has like um, uh, like a cool sound to it. Um, it it doesn't mean anything particularly. Um, people have told me certain things that it, they think it means, but I haven't found the actual meaning of the word. So um, I just like the sound of it, and I thought it sounds musical in a way, you know. So yeah, it sounds musical without giving any anyone any preconceived notion about what the music might actually be. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so did this friend literally just call you up, say Bazingas onto your answering machine and hang up, or was it basically like, oh, yes? That's basically, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So these are trombone players, so you have to. You, have to, you know, we're, we're very little strange. You know? That's right. Yeah. I guess, I guess I'm not part of that uh, particular culture, so uh, right. <laughs> I've never had anyone call me and say Bazingas and hang up, but yeah, I'm not exactly. one of the cool kids.
I'd like to talk a little bit about, um, you know, you mentioned you wrote all the music, and there's a, it sounds to me, a lot of albums these days, and I, I really like this about a trend in at least one kind of creative improvised music that I listen to, is uh, this kind of move toward... I think almost a, a blending between the composition and improvisation such that it's often difficult to tell which is which. Um, and I really like that about this record. I mean, there are places where there are very tight lines and it's it's obvious it wasn't an accident. Um, but there's a lot of places where it just organically flows in and out rather than here's the head and now we're going to solo over these changes and here's the head again. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the uh, the kind of palette and the, the structure of the music on this album? Yeah, um, basically I wrote... I wrote the music with the intention of, um, because before we had actually recorded this record, we actually had never had any music to read. So um, this was our, our like actually the first time we actually were reading music in the stu- was in the studio. So we didn't have a lot of rehearsal time, and I I wrote the music particularly in a way that um, there would be no set structure for the improvisation. Um, I wanted like, the tunes themselves to just determine where that would go. Um, some of them actually have no improvisation at all, and um, some of them are, you know, a head that goes into improvisation and never comes back, and some of it just has the improv weaved throughout the composition um, in random places. So um, we actually took two days, you know, after I wrote all the music, um, you know, we we had all uh, basically two full days in the studio, and we we actually had a little more time than I would normally have for this kind of a um, recording. So we were able to kind of do a lots of different versions of the takes of the of the tunes and, and and sort of explore them in the studio, which I thought was really fun. I'd never actually had a chance to do that before. So, um, but yeah, the the compositions are. I mean, they're they range from very simple to very complicated. So. And what kind of instruction did you find yourself giving when it was time to record? I mean, given that you didn't have a ton of rehearsal time, uh, yeah. were, you, were you setting moods? How, how did that work? How, how did the actually? I, I uh, quite the opposite. Actually, I decided that I wasn't going to give any instruction at all. Um, I decided that that I, I wanted to write music um, that would be strong enough um, in theme and variation that it would be obvious to the musicians what to do. And in these particular players. I feel like the less that I say, the better it often comes out. <laughs> so, um, I mean, occasionally I would, I would pick a tempo or a, or a or a starting point. Um, so I had to, you know, I gave it some direction and form. But um, occasionally I would say, okay, let's start with, um, for instance, guitar and drums on this particular um, section, and that's it. You know, that would be the most inf- information I would give, and I. I purposely wrote the pieces in sort of a structural, structural, modular way, so that at the musician's discretion they could come back to that. Um, and then on the other hand, um, for instance, there's a ballad on the record called "Sifting," which is like sort of a a la Duke Ellington ballad that I wrote and stripped down version of it. And that's just A A B A. It's pretty simple, you know. So in in some other cases, we didn't. We just followed the, basically the normal, you know, routine. <laughs>
I know you had some chances to uh, perform this music uh, live for the the CD releases uh, mm-hmm. in New York. Can you talk about uh, what the live performances were like of this music? Yeah, well, the live performances are are really different. Um, I mean, John and Chess, the guitar player and drummer, you know, their background is really, and, I'm, and maybe you can hear this on the record as well, is is really in rock um, and punk. Come, you know, and then they come to jazz through that. Whereas me and Kirk, I think we're more coming through, um, you know, a jazz background. Um, and I, and I, that, that really shines through in the live performance actually more even than on the record. Because, um, you know, on the record, we don't, on the live performances, we don't play as many of the, um, through composed pieces. I sort of, you know, those, some of them are hard to read. <laughs> so in the dark clubs of New York City, sometimes it's not so easy to, you know, be reading this complicated stuff on the on the bandstand, um, depending on the rehearsal. But um, so yeah, it is it is a little bit different, and, and also it's um I just never know what it's going to be until until we do it, and and sometimes I make snap decisions to start in a in a different spot, and I don't tell anybody, and I just and just do it, and we find our way there. So yeah, the whole process that you've described, both uh, on stage and in the studio, really sounds like you you have opened the door for surprise in this band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For, to me, that's, I mean, to me, I don't want to hear, you know, I, I, I don't want to hear music that, um, that is so polished. I want, I want that sound of, um, of raw energy that, you know, there, there's a lot of points on the record that when we were mixing and editing, which we did quite a bit of, um, we left a lot of mistakes in there and, and we did it on purpose, you know, and, and we, I felt like yeah, I'm more concerned about the energy and the, and the, the vibe than than the actual execution, which I you know of course is important on some level, but um, I feel like if the energy and the drive is there, then then that's going to speak more than you know playing it down perfectly, and that's that's one thing that I I listen for in you know music that's coming out today that you know, I enjoy. often talk about uh, cover art on this show, not least of all mm-hmm. because you have to describe it, but uh, but if, of course if folks go to thejazzsession.com they can see a picture of the cover, but can you talk a little bit about uh, the, the brilliant cover art on this which was done by uh, oh, John sure. Vineyard? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, his name is, uh, this artist is John Vineyard. He's a, um, actually I've never met him, but uh, a friend of mine who usually does my most of my graphic design work um, for, you know, for records and such wasn't available, and he, he recommended this guy, and I said, okay, I'll, you know, we'll try him. And, um, you know, his, his, he's an artist himself, so I basically, um, I took a, photo, a bunch of photos in Gowanus, which is um, where I have a studio in Brooklyn, and I, I sent them to him, and he... He picked the barbed wire photo, and I don't know, he just came up, those are his birds. He put the birds on there, and, and that, that was it. it. It became a, I mean, he, he sent me several versions, and I picked that one immediately, and I, it just spoke. It was really strong, so I just decided, you know, and I love the color, and I like, I, I, I purposely picked this designer because he's not um, really familiar with, like, jazz records or jazz um, material, and I, and I, and I'm, I like, you know, I was looking for someone that wasn't going to, like, just do the cookie-cutter um, record cover, you know, so I wanted it to appeal to, like, other people besides, you know, those that listen to jazz records. Yeah, it, the whole, the packaging of this thing, when I first got this in the mail, whenever that was last, uh, I don't know, mm-hmm. you know, November or December, um, yeah. whole, you really, I guess when you turn it over and you read the instrumentation, you could get a guess that it's probably improvised music. But other than right. that, there's really nothing about the way this record is packaged, the name, any of that stuff that that tells you anything about it, which is, I actually think, kind of, kind of refreshing. I mean, usually oh. there's there's so much about getting a record in the mail, especially I figured out the other day that at the rate I'm currently getting them so far in 2011 that I'll get almost 1,000 records this year. Oh, my God. And at that, wow. at that pace, when you take something out of the package... It's it's sad to say, but it there has to be something unless you know the names. I mean, you take it out of the package and it's a name you instantly recognize. That's fine, but otherwise there has to be something striking. And I really think I'm going on too long about this, but I, I think you've you've managed to achieve that. You've managed to make a record that that comes at you with no expectations, other than it looks pretty oh. interesting, which is cool. I really appreciate that. Yeah, in fact, um, I you know I firmly believe that, and I know that you know very few people know. I mean, in the in the world, know who I am, you know, and I'm trying to put my music out there for the first time. Really, I've done this is the first time I've, in my life that I've done actually a solo, you know, project that I put my own um, leader name on it. Um, and all, everything else I've ever done has always been collective, so you know, which I've done a lot of. And I just felt like it has to be strong, it has to be bold, and I and I and I love color, so I just you know, I I basically. You know, I, I told the designer, carte blanche, I want you to do what you do, because you'll come up with something that's way cooler than I could ever um, come up with. And I feel like, you know, a lot of, um, you know, musicians, when they get involved with the visual part of it, I think, I, unless they really have a strong visual sense, I mean, it's really difficult for that to speak. And I wanted to just to be separate from, you know, from the music. I wanted to him, him to do what he thought was right, you know, so... You mentioned your uh, your space in Gowanus. Will you talk more about that? Um, yeah, I have a I run a um, performance rehearsal and teaching space in Brooklyn called iBeam Music. It's actually called iBeam Brooklyn now. Um, and uh, we opened up three years ago. I originally just opened it as a place to teach because I, I teach privately. Um, you know, um, I have since I moved to New York and been building it for a long time. And um, I opened it with another teacher, and then we. Actually, just accidentally stumbled upon a space that was um, big enough, you know, where we could have concerts and performances. So um, we started having 
you know, people play there and uh, people rent it out actually to perform there. Um, but it's a very nominal fee, and um, you know, it, it's been it's been really good. It's it's been you know helping at least add to the community of places where people can play this music, which is you know dwindling as we as we all know. <laughs> Have you have you kind of had a look at uh, the business of concert presentation from the other side now? Have you have your eyes been opened at all to uh, to what it takes? Oh, definitely. Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, the amount of emails that I get <laughs> weekly are are phenomenal, actually, um, and I'm always surprised. You know, I, um, you know, and this is a space where you know musicians have to do a little more work than normal. It's not a space that they can just walk into and. Um, uh, you know, just set up their gear and go and drink some beer. I mean, we don't we don't even have alcohol at this space. Um, and but yes, it's 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 very interesting. It's also really interesting for me to see what how musicians present themselves, and um, it's helped me actually in a way to you know understand that side of it because I'm as I'm trying to get out and tour with Bazingas and you know do my own projects, you know, and get out there as like I I can see what works and maybe what doesn't work a little bit, you know. Uh, keeping in mind that uh, this show will air on or around the 7th of February, are there some uh, upcoming performances either by Bazingas or other projects you're involved with that you'd like to mention? Um, there, I have, yeah, there are, there are things coming up. Um, we don't, I don't have anything um, actually in the books, but I have a uh, tour in for Bazingas, hopefully in the Midwest um, in May. And, um, uh, but you know, I don't have all the details on that yet, so I don't want to. I don't want to say. <laughs> um, no problem. Other than that, yeah, I do play in a chamber group called the Four Bags, which is um, uh, trombone, accordion, uh, clarinet, and guitar. And uh, you might know some of the names: it's Mike McGinnis, Jacob Garchick, and Sean Moran. Um, and uh, we have some gigs coming up at Barbez, and I I also play. Um, uh, some Brazilian music, um, Fajo music, and, I, and I'm in a band that, that does that. So we have some gigs coming up at Barbez and some other places around the city. But. And I'll direct folks to uh, BrianDry.com, D-R-Y-E.com, mm-hmm. and that'll yeah. be in the show notes yep. too. And there's a there's a gig calendar there, so you can check that out. Yeah. Uh-huh. Are, are there? Uh, I you, I've, was familiar with Four Bags, and uh, and of course with Bazingas. There, you seem to be attracted to non-standard instrumentation. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, I think so. I, you know, what's funny is um, I I have played in groups, you know, with this, the standard instrumentation, and I love that. Um, but I also love the challenge of of I, I don't I don't see any difference really in in putting a group together without drums versus drums. I mean, there, there's a there's certainly a, a different challenge to writing the music, but um, in terms of playing, I, I I really enjoy the challenge of 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 trying different things and actually. You know, the thing I like about, the one thing I like about Zingus without the bass is that it just, it opens up this other freedom that, that groups with bass sometimes don't have, unless you have the right bass player. But, so I kind of, I kind of like this, those challenges actually, and I'm attracted to that. And I also think that sometimes I, I get tired of the, the standard instrumentation, even though I, you know, I love doing it and I'm, I'm happy to do it all the time. I just, I personally don't always hear <laughs> music written that way, so. And it's not as if there's some natural law that says this is what a, exactly. a jazz group must yeah. contain. Exactly, there is no law. I mean, there is no rules. I mean, um, I mean, I think the rules have been broken for a long time. But for some reason, I think 
you know, there's there's still great music to be made with the standard instrumentation. So I don't think it's a it's a slight on that at all. It's just I don't feel like necessarily by putting a, a, a strange instrumentation together that we're breaking any new ground. But but for me personally, I, it just feels. I, I, I get more attracted to the sound when it's something different, you know, so I find myself wanting to go back and listen to it more than, you know, a, a, you know, a regular instrumentation, what I guess we would call that. Bazinga's a project that you in, intend to continue. Will we hear more records and songs? I do actually. I have. <laughs> I already have a good portion of music written for the next record, but um, you know, I'm sort of waiting to. I want. I want to get as much mileage out of this project as I can. You know, this particular record as I can, and um, I'm hoping to record. Um, you know, before the end of this year, actually, again, because um, I know how long it takes. In actually, this record was recorded in December of 2008. Um, it just took so long for me to, to, to get the funds together and, you know, to, to get the opportunity to put it out. So um, so I know how long that takes now, and I've got some more experience with that. So I, I feel like it's probably a good idea to get in the studio sooner than later, you know, while the project's still going. So Yeah, and maybe now with things like Kickstarter and that kind of thing, there are other ways to find funding than, than there used to be. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think there are alternate ways, and I think um, I'm actually, uh, I want to, some, you know, I also teach quite a bit, um, you know, privately and through some programs in New York, so I'm looking for ways to maybe even um, bring, you know, a group like Bazingas into an educational um, forum, which I, I think has not been done as much as, as it could be, you know, so... Yeah, it just needs some crowd participation anthem where the kids get to shout out Bazingas, I think, toward the end. All right. <laughs> Good idea, actually. Like <laughs> uh, yeah. Is there anything I haven't asked you about that you'd like to mention about uh, the band? Or um, no, uh, well, not off the top of my head. Those are great questions. Um, I just, I'm really proud of the group. Um, I'm proud of like, the fact that I get to play with these awesome musicians, not just in this group, but you know, I also play, um, Kirk Kanofsky has a great quartet. 
with Mark Elias and Jeff Davis, and I get to play in that, and I get to play with John Goldberger in lots of different settings, and, um, you know, Chess is sort of a new friend, so, you know, I, I play, actually I play with Chess in a, in a group called Banda Sinaloensa with a bunch of um, great jazz musicians, uh, Oscar Noriega and Chris Speed and Jacob Garchik, and we play Mexican Banda music, so, I mean, the, the, that's the great thing about, you know, being in this community of players, and I feel lucky to be, you know, part of that. So, you know, that's, that's I guess I would end with that. <laughs> My guest is Brian Dry. He's behind the band Bazingas. They have a, a new self-titled album out, which I highly recommend. Brian, it's been great to talk to you, and uh, thank you for taking the time to do it. Thanks so much for calling me. I appreciate it. That's music from Bizingas from their self-titled debut album, and Brian Dry was my guest today. You're listening to The Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of the show is available for free at TheJazzSession.com, and you can also find it in iTunes or using an RSS reader, and all those links are at TheJazzSession.com. Please do become a member. I'm... I'm very serious about that, folks. Uh, I really need you to support the show. Uh, many people over the years have written uh, talking about how much they enjoy the show and the interviews and just what a gosh darn wonderful human being I am. And uh, although I, I think most people would take exception with that last fact, uh, I really would appreciate it if you could find your way to uh, kicking a small amount of money or even an enormous amount of money my way. That would be great. 
Um, I did add a one-time a donation button to the member page, uh, so that if you can't afford to become a member, you could just kick in a little bit of money. Um, but I really I don't want that to dilute the membership campaign. I, I really need people to just become sustaining members of the show. Uh, I certainly appreciate your one-time donations, uh, and quite a few people have done that. It's much appreciated. Uh, all the funds that come into the show are really helpful. Uh, but just in terms of the long-term health of the show, it's uh, a little better for me if you become a member. Um, and in fact, generally, for most people, I think you would find that it allows you to donate more, but to kind of feel it less if you kick in 10 bucks a month. Over the course of a year, you've donated, a, you know, whatever that is, $120, um, but you haven't had to write a check for $120 all at once. Okay, so enough about that. My thanks to the Respect Sextet. They recorded the theme music for this show. That was not their original intention, by the way, when they recorded the music that plays at the beginning and end of the show. I just asked them if I could use it. They actually recorded it for a, a really wonderful album. You can find all of their albums at respectsextet.com. And also, Dave Rabel designed the show's logo. And uh, as good as he is at that, I think he's even better at tweeting. He's really hilarious. And you can find him at twitter.com slash Dave Vrabel, V-R-A-B-E-L. Thanks so much for listening, and uh, thanks again for supporting the show. Get out there and support live jazz whenever and wherever you can, and then come back next time for another conversation about jazz on The Jazz Session. Bye. Bye. Bye.